and welcome to Get Known. I'm Steve, and uh, this is episode four in our series of interviews from Slush 2019. For those of you who are new to the Get Known podcast, we interview journalists about their work and what they cover so that companies know better how to engage with press and get their company covered in the media. And they also don't waste journalists' time. So let's get started with this episode's interview. Hi, and uh, welcome back to the Get Known podcast. I'm here with Benjamin. Benjamin, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, Stephen. Nice to be here. Um, my name is Benjamin Batkin. I cover technology and startups in the widest sense, uh, also migration. And the third area of coverage, if you will, is media, disinformation, business models, and also innovation. Um, I'm a freelance journalist, but I do most of my work for Deutsche Welle, DW, which is Germany's foreign broadcaster. <laughs> what kinds of stuff, you know, you, you say you're covering these different kinds of things, mm -hmm. but on a personal level, what do you love? What is the thing that you love covering the most? People who have a, they'd say founder stories. I like to, there's, you know, there's news pieces where you don't get to dive too deep, but then there's background stories, profiles. So um, that gives the story a lot more color. And when you get to know somebody personally, founder, there's always a personal story that, that prompted them to, to did whatever they, they, the, the product that, that they came up with, uh, the idea they had, uh, just to leave everything uh, and, and pursue that one thing. So, so that's that's something I look for because there's usually a deeper human uh, intrinsic interest behind an idea, a life change, uh, an initiative, etc. So I try to get to that, uh, the personal motivation behind whatever that is that is as people are doing. So just to make the story a bit richer. Um, and that, that, that usually also uh, yields yields just more well-rounded stories. But if there is a particular topic, um, today maybe uh, there's, there's three founders, female founders, that I talked to, I might write about. Um, and one of them is called, she was about, she, she has a furniture for rent business. Um, and so it's, she calls it furniture as a service. I kind of tapping into the the sharing economy. Um, so a lot of people, they move, especially the millennium generation, they move a lot. Um, they're really flexible. And so as a result, they don't need to own all the furniture that they have. And going back to what I said just a minute ago about the personal story, the founder was all over the place. She moved, I think, 10 or 15 times uh, in the last five years. And then obviously had to buy a lot of furniture and then had to sell it again. So as a result, she thought, you know, why is it not possible to lease it or to rent it for a while? It's more sustainable, it's cheaper. And so because of that, she came up with that business. Now, 95% of other people who had a similar experience, or 99%, never actually had, probably had similar ideas. Like, why? Yeah, that's, there's a need, right? But they never pursued it. So, so entrepreneurs are a special kind of breed. Uh, for whatever reason, they decide to pursue that idea as opposed to the other 1% that just um, talked about it. So that's, that's a trait I was looking for always, what, what makes uh, those people, um, why they have that trait and why they decide to pursue it. And it's just an interesting concept too, and there's a bunch of different companies now that do that. Um, one is also is clothing, similar concept, I guess, right? So just reducing the, your footprint 
because the Earth Overshoot Day was, I think, already in July this year or something around the mid mid year, and so we need to drastically reduce, obviously, the stuff we use. So if we can share more, lease more, and uh, reuse stuff, that's good. So highlighting those ideas, getting people to see it, um, get inspired, in turn use that too. That's one of my motivations too, is to highlight those good ideas that are worth sharing. Is there something that you've done that is that has driven you towards more sustainable stuff or towards those kinds of stories? Is there something that you see in the world that is that needs telling in particular around that kind of thing? Why, what, why do you think you're drawn to that? Um, let's see. So, I mean, not there's not one particular uh, area, but in general, I think it's it's a really important story to tell because you I think the days are gone where journalists just had to cover whatever there's whatever um, made it or was defined as, as newsworthy uh, I think nowadays I mean you, you see the rise of solutions journalism constructive journalism and and there is a reason for that also because people are they call it the news fatigue people are getting fed up being by being bombarded uh, by news they they feel like they they never it's never any news cycle there's never uh, you never finish right there's always a constant stream of news and so forth so so the news media is changing quite a bit and and so the the um, areas are changing and the focus is changing um, not 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 so much the core principles but so you see that being being manifested in different ways and then the climate crisis is definitely something that a lot of publications, the media in general, most publications have identified as the political and social topic of our time. So it deserves more attention, and I think a lot of publications are uh, have realized that and are uh, are acting accordingly. You you used a term called constructive journalism. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and 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 how maybe? companies could uh, also learn something from that? Sure. So there's constructive journalism is slightly different from solutions-oriented or solutions journalism. Uh, I'm more familiar with solutions journalism, um, uh, so I can maybe talk about that, but again, it's, it's related. It's, it's fairly similar. So it came, um, it was a New York Times journalist uh, who had a, who has a column, and I, the, his name eludes me right now, but I may, might be able to remember in a, in a minute or so. Um, and it's called uh, Fixes, the Fixes column. And so he started it, I don't know, said five, seven years ago or so. So the idea was to highlight existing solutions, no matter how perfect or imperfect they were, to see what people were actually doing about problems. So usually when, when the media reports about it, the Ebola epidemic, right? And then in the process, there's obviously a lot of people trying to solve that crisis too um, and then so that that trend in journalism is highlighting those efforts and and in turn allowing other people to emulate those things that have worked and to avoid their pitfalls the things they have done wrong so it's not about just blindly saying um, saying okay this is a great solution uh, you should you should try it or or a, a product even so it's it's really assessing whether it has worked really looking critically at a solution, um, because we need more of those, um, obviously, and, and you know, applying all journalistic principles um, to then empower other people to look at it and see how they can possibly apply it as well. Okay. If we had a company 
who who wanted to actually do this kind of thing, like to give you something, to prepare something that would make you interested in it. I guess you would have to maybe come up with, or they would have to come up with uh, more than just your average pitch of of I have this product, which is which is of course probably what you hear people say a lot, right? Uh, how do you how do you how do you see those things, or is it something about what you're already interested in? Are you actually the one who's searching for that? Not actively, no. I mean, so first of all, I'm I'm not searching not because I'm not interested, but I mean, I'm, but it's because I get approached a lot, and there's just too many things to do on my bucket my bucket list to write about etc so by this time by this kind of stage of my career people come to me and not you know saying this to brag um, I think that's kind of, kind of the, the natural process people your people's radar you're an emailing email list on Twitter etc you have a website you've done some reporting have a decent track record etc and so people start reaching out to you more and more right they invite you to press trips they they, they say you want to review this this thing um, and then just to to clarify, I, I write for mainstream audience. I might have said that before. So I'm not the journalist who who reviews gadgets, right? And so I never, I mean, very rarely do I get actually requests for me to say, okay, for you, this is a product, no matter how niche it may be, uh, can you review it? Because I'm not known for that. I think there's a group of journalists who are well-known in their niche areas, and they get probably pitched very directly and specifically so so it really depends I have to say I mean it's um, the aura, aura ring Quora ring aura ring it's a sleep tracking ring I think it was introduced or launched yet slush in 2017 and to be honest I was really interested in it um, to because of personal reasons but also from a technology point of view how technology can actually improve your lives <laughs> without getting distracted and all the having negative side effects etc because sleep you know after all it's it's not a necessity it's um uh, sorry it is a necessity um and it's not an expense and you know more people more people re- realizing that so that's something i was interested in actually but <laughs> uh, case in point because i got too much too many things that um, to to write about than i have time for i never had the time in the last two years to actually buy this ring for discounted uh, journalism or, or or press price uh and to actually review it but that was something something that i would have liked to do i think and um and also trying something out personally um, and then writing about it, and that makes it authentic. That's credible. That makes people believe that you what the product about is about. It makes it more real. So if I were to do it, obviously I would need to test it. And then there is also tricky. Sometimes some publications say no, you can't accept it because we would have to pay for it. So it depends. As a freelancer, there's also difficulties around that. But yeah, so a few things. But I've never actually tried a product and written about it. But that might happen. Okay. Well, that would be kind of interesting. Um, so one of the main questions that we ask people is, is have you ever been, obviously, you get a lot of pitches. You were just saying before you get a lot of pitches uh, about right. things. What is the worst pitch you ever got? Okay, so it's, <laughs> I probably already forgot because yeah, can't think of a specific example, but... Um, but <laughs> Bad pitches are, are really extremely vague, right? They're extremely vague in that uh, here here's a product. Um, please please write about it. Um, 
I mean, I mean, or, or maybe pitches in the beginning that that looked at first glance looked like really naive, but then turned out to be better. Like uh, people approaching me, saying, "Yeah, I got this fast-growing startup, uh, and I'm you know want to scale it through the roof. Uh, I need you to help we with that, right?" And then you get to know the person a little bit, you get to know the product a bit better, and so, <laughs> so no, maybe at first glance there've been. I think the approach can be really bad. Uh, and the vagueness is, is bad. I wish I could remember one thing that 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 stood out, but um, yeah. you know, you know what's funny mm-hmm. is that whenever I ask that question, mm-hmm. everybody's like, "I can't remember." But I think that's the bo- <laughs> I think that's the point, right? The worst pictures are the ones you don't remember yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not compelling. Yeah, it's just it's worth forgetting. Yeah. It's totally it's worth it, forgetting. You del- either delete the email right away, um, or you just put it on the on the back burner uh, on the list that. You, you could call it the, uh, the list I will never get to. You know, the list that's not even worth <laughs> creating and so, and so forth. But yeah, you never know. I mean, one day, you know, might be looking for ideas. Unlikely, but p- possible. So so what's the best pitch that you ever got? So, I mean, <laughs> I usually create pitches, right? I mean, I both get pitched and I have to uh, pitch. Uh, it's just... Uh, the nature of my job but uh well hey yeah. maybe maybe you actually tell me then first what's the best pitch you ever had to make you know because i know you have to pitch to your editors and yeah. other people especially as a freelancer mm-hmm. they don't just take everything you write right that's true so it depends very much on the publication some when you have a working relationship with them uh, you can you don't have to be that specific um, and it also depends on on the topic, but uh, the best pitch maybe, and it's just the first thing that came to, comes to mind. Doesn't mean it has to be the, the best one, but uh, it was for the New York Times, and it was about how Estonia is turning to the arts to fend off Russian interference um, uh, on social media, but also geopolitically. And and I thought I did a really good job. Thought, um, getting to the point, uh, and and also introducing myself. I mean, it's, I thought it was well crafted. Went to a few editors, uh, the assignment editor for culture in Europe. They eventually turned it down. Um, but the reason I thought it was a good, but not only because they responded, because even I mean, even with lesser known uh, uh, publications, there's never a guarantee that you will even get an answer, which could mean anything, right? That's part of the problem of freelancing is that uncertainty, right? You, in 50, 70, 90% of the cases, you don't know why a pitch was or was not, I mean, was not rejected. If you had more answers, you obviously would get much better, right? You can improve your pitching game. Anyway, so that was the first good sign. And then the real sign that I thought I was onto something was three months later where um, that story was reported by a freelance journalist based in Berlin. And the, and the headline was not the one I had in mind, it was different, but... Uh, fearing Russian interfering Russian interference, Estonia turns to the arts, and she even and she didn't even go to the event where I had the got the idea. Um, she came later, but then even used a picture from that event. It was an arts festival in, in Narva, which is the easternmost city uh, in Estonia on the Russian border, which is ninety five percent Russian speaking and uh, ethnically um, Russian and so forth. And uh, yeah, so so that was it was frustrating, obviously. Right, but it's like, man, that could be my story. And the New York Times is a big deal. I'm still trying to, uh, to crack it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, t- it told me, um, it showed me that I was on the 
on, so the right, on the right way, on the right track, I guess, yeah. That's a total bummer. Yeah, 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 it's, it's about, but it's also about timing, right? And you never know, maybe that freelancer had a relationship with one of the editors, um, but she was, no, remember her, she was, she was tweet, she tweeted the article and said, that's my first article for, for the great old lady, I think she called it the New York Times. So, you know, you never know, you never know, but that's a thing, right? So sometimes even I heard people saying, okay, I pitched to the New York Times, they declined uh, the pitch, and only to see the New York Times do that story, write that story uh, a few weeks later. So some, you never know, right? You don't have intellectual rights to pitch to an idea. They might just pick up the idea, steal your ideas. I'm uh, using inverted commas. Um, but yeah, that's that's the unfortunate, but uh, the real the reality of being a freelancer. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, you know what though? I I also think that that. Um, a lot of our listeners and people who work in these companies and people who do PR for their company or are trying to do communications for their company don't realize how hard it is for you to actually get into the New York Times or to or to get into even Deutsche Welle who you have a reputation with right i mean you have editors who are behind you and and when you understand the entire process of actually getting a story in it's a bigger deal than we pitch it to you and and how does it get in there, right? You have to have all the elements in place mm-hmm. in order to make that happen. Right, yeah. So sure. now, my final question mm-hmm. for you is advice. What kind of advice do you think that you can give to companies and people who have these cool products and not just startups but but really anything that 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 when someone wants to come to you and get into the media what would you advise these companies to do and from personal experience yourself what kinds of things do you want to hear from people what things come to mind what kinds of things come to your eyes and and how do we you know better reach out and not waste your time Right. Um, so just like me pitching to a publication, uh, put some effort into it, meaning uh, understand your product, but also mean understand how journalism, how journalists operate, how they work, how the industry, uh, what, what constitutes it and what. So let's start with maybe news value. Right. So not every gadget, not every product that you launch has a value. Maybe to a hyper local news blog it does, but it also but it might, you know, it will probably not be relevant to a national publication. So, and then it also depends on the area of coverage. It depends on the audience, right? So just as much as I need to understand a publication's audience and their appetite, if I pitch a story, then um, that's also something that they need to understand. Now, when I'm a freelancer, it's a bit of a different story because I could, in theory, pitch it anywhere. But those I just understand, the journalists understand the publication. And then really when it comes to news value, um, understand that, try to build a story around it. Um, so maybe point to a larger trend. So going back to that example with um, that startup that is leasing furniture. Yes, that startup in and of itself, it's a nice story, um, good product, if they're successful, it's a female founder, etc. There's a few things in place that make it interesting, but then if you look at the large trend, which is um, the sharing economy and uh, sustainable living, etc. You know, it's there's a lot. Obviously, it becomes interesting because it's it's an example, a local example, a personalized example for a larger trend. I, if if I were to summarize it, I think that's that's in a nutshell. That would be it. 
um, give somebody some tangible example um, seen through the eyes of a founder or somebody who went through hardship, whatever, in their life. Um, and uh, that's emblematic of something bigger that, that people can relate to. So make it personal, but also show the global or whatever dimension of it. So do your homework, right, uh, in, that, in that sense. And um, so that, those are important things and that not everything has a news value again and, and then provide anything that will make it easier for, for the journalist. Uh, but then also in terms of expectations, uh, know the real, reality of a freelancer, pitches, there's never a guarantee that pitches will get accepted. And if the journalist is doing his job properly, then you should expect or you could at least have it on your mind, on your considered a possibility that it will not be clean PR, right? Um, who knows? He might dig up some some dirt. He might uh, come up with something you didn't even, even you know. So if you want to avoid that, then um, obviously... Um, yeah, be, be aware of that, I guess, too. Yeah. That's always the risk. You know, right, we have to right. tell people on a regular basis that that uh, mm -hmm. you don't control the situation. You know, yeah. you can be as good as you can be, but then how much more can you do? Right. So, hey, yeah. well, thank you so much for taking your time sure. to, to help us learn more about the world of media and Deutsche, Deutsche it's Welle. It's important, especially in the day, this day and age where there's, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the media and uh, obviously trust has been in the media has been news industry has been down so so it, because it boils down to lack of media literacy i think and just a, some really understanding about the basics of journalism its role how it operates uh it's etc so the more the more um, people talk about journalists about their about their work about their experience i think the better so it's it's a it's important thanks so much really appreciate sure. it pleasure steven this has been the Get Known Podcast Bite from Slush 2019. The Get Known Podcast is produced by San Francisco Agency located in beautiful but dark in November Helsinki, Finland. To hear more interviews with journalists and PR professionals, please subscribe to the Get Known Podcast feed. You can share your comments and questions directly to me by connecting with me on LinkedIn, Stephen Lee, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-E. -E -E. I know there's a lot of them out there, but hey, you'll find me. Or you can send email to steve at sanfrancisco.fi with the subject line, Get Known. Looking forward to hearing from you. All right. See you next time.